If you are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast, it's season two, it's episode number 41. Jamison Tyone finally wins one. Unbelievable. In this segment, Crowley's talking to Sam Widerhalf. He, of course, is the play-by-play voice of the first place Myrtle Beach Pelicans, the Cubs low A affiliate. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, we have the play-by-play boys for your Myrtle Beach Pelicans, Sam Wiederhaft. Sam, I was talking to you before. You guys just have such awesome gear and alternate logos. I'm looking what you're wearing, and every time I see something, on whether it's on TV or whether it's you and I talking, I'm like, man, I want that hat. I want that shirt. Like, I want everything, man. It's awesome. No, it's cool, man. I think we have uh, we have a great look all the way across the board. Um, so many different hats, so many different jerseys, but they all hit. And uh, no, I love it. I love our branding here. I think we do a really good job um, with that side of things. And yeah, it's like every single hat that we drop, it's it's like the biggest deal ever and people love it. So um, I, I try and wear as much stuff as I can. Not only do you guys look cool on the field, but so far it looks like you guys are having a pretty good season. Last time we talked, you know, the, you, the, the season was just starting up, but now, now we're kind of in full gear and you take a look at the Carolina League South and the Myrtle Beach Pelicans are tied in first place, 28 and 22 with Columbia, uh, the Royals affiliate. So what has been going right for this team? Seems like a lot, huh? Well, it's been a, a recent surge. Um, so last week we played in Fayetteville and swept them um, in six games, and the pitching was just dominant. Um, we had five games where we held the Woodpeckers to one run or less. Um, so you're going to win most games by doing that. And then now, um, you know, looking at the, at the Sunday game right now, but we've won – three of the first five games um, against the Salem Red Sox. And the hitting has really kind of come a, come around the past few games. We've had three home runs this week, and um, players are, are starting to find some power. So everything's just kind of clicking at the right time. You know, it's a, it's a season split into halves. We're at game number uh, 51 right now in a 66-game first half. So in a really good spot, playing really good baseball at the right time. And, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, I keep thinking back on it with last year's team and how stacked that team was and, they go 47 and 19 in the first half. Um, and then this team, it's taken a little bit longer to kind of get going, but now guys are starting to figure it out. And uh, just it's two totally different teams, but we could possibly be looking at back-to-back uh, Carolina League South first half champions. Right. So the season, is it June 25th? Is that roughly when when that season, the first half comes to an end? Yeah. So we'll be in Kannapolis. Um, it'll be 66 games down and uh, you know that'll, that'll be the end of the first half. And then, move right on to the, uh, move right on to the second half. But um, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting how they, how they split the season like that. Um, 132 games in total, but, you know, it kind of rewards that first half team for, you know, because there's so much roster turnover, right? So kind of rewards that first half team for being so good in the first part of the season. And as you said, you you know, you're you're in the middle of a great stretch and you guys were on marquee. What was it? Was it Thursday night? Uh, yeah, that's right. Cause we had the pirate jerseys on. So it was Thursday night, Thursday night. And I got to tell you, that was such a fun game. How, I mean, the guys have to be so stoked, you know, every time that marquee and you get that big audience, but it just felt like they were playing under the lights and, and there was no quitting that team in that game. No, there wasn't. Um, ends on a walk-off sacrifice fly from uh, Miguel Pabone, um, in the bottom half of the 10th, that was the second extra inning games and in, in three games against Salem at that time. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there is a lot of fight in these guys and they're young and they're learning kind of here at the single a level, but you can tell they love the game of baseball and they love who they're playing with. And I think Thursday was um, a great example of, of how they're doing that. You know, they get down early, they come back and tie the game, they grab a lead, they lose the lead and then come back and tie it and then go to extras and, and win it. So 
very back and forth, but it's it's a, it's a really exciting group, and uh, they're they're just really fun to watch. Now you've been doing marquee games now for a couple of years. Has it gotten a little bit easier, and is it a little bit more fun now that you kind of got the rhythm and how that all works? Uh, the, the nerves have definitely calmed down now. Um, now that we're uh, oh gosh, we've been on the, like you said a couple of years and um, had a good amount of games on there, but it's always just really cool being able to show the Cubs fans out in that area, um, kind of what's coming here at this single A level. Not only that, but my family, most of them lives in the Midwest in Indiana. So, um, you know, my mom was, was watching at a bar and she told the whole bar that that was her son on TV. So, um, <laughs> it is, uh, it's just a super cool moment, not only for the players, but for me as well. And, um, yeah, we just, we just love doing it. Now, one guy that, that kind of always catches my eye when I watch him play is Felix Stevens, and he had a home run on that game on Thursday that was just crushed. Uh, first baseman, what, what do you see him with Felix that really uh, interests you so far? Felix is a, a lot more improved from last year to this year, um, and you can tell just in the maturity and his approach at the plate. Now, he's first base primarily, but they're putting him in right field. The right field, they're putting him in left field. They're just finding ways to get him – in this lineup, because not only is his power just incredible, but he's also just making really good contact with the ball. Uh, strikeout rate is down. His walk rate is up. His ground ball rate from last year um, is has been lowered, so he's driving the ball a lot more um, and just swinging at better pitches. I think he's been a really fun player to watch this year, and uh, the power definitely is evident, uh, but now he's starting to add more things to his game. He's stolen a couple of bases, um, so you get this big 6'5 player that's now active on the base paths, He's been great, not only at first base, but in the field and just kind of becoming an all-around player this year. You know, you mentioned Moises Ballesteros, and it, it's funny because at one time it looked like catching was a real deficiency in the Cubs minors. And then now that I start looking through it, it looks like more and more that it's starting to become a position of strength. Have you noticed that as well? Oh, 100%. I mean, up and down the Cubs system, I think um, the catcher is a really strong position. And then you know, even you go even lower and you got Adon Sanchez in the complex league that hasn't even reached Myrtle Beach yet, but you still heard a little bit about him. Um, but Moises has been really strong for the Pelicans this season behind the plate, really good defensively. Um, and then also playing first base on days that Miguel Pabone catches. So those two kind of alternate. But uh, Ballesteros just has such a mature, I've said it before, but such a mature approach at the plate. He walks more than he strikes out, which I think is something that really is, um, just cool to see when you're just 19 years old and you're facing pitching that's a lot older than you and more experienced. He's just really patient at the plate. So, um, yeah, hits the ball hard, has been really impressive this year, and uh, just looking forward to seeing how much more he improves. One of those guys that I always like to see with runners on base is Andy Gariola, left fielder, man. It, it seems like that guy just has something that he just seems to do better when there are guys to drive in. You, you know, it, that it, he's been a lot of fun to watch. And then I was watching one game where he just went over that left field corner. There's a little beach, I guess you call it over there. Yeah. Oh man. The guy, the guy plays with a lot of heart. <laughs> he certainly, you know, he definitely does. The effort is there for him. And you mentioned coming up with guys on base, but when he's on base, he's the team's stolen base leader, um, which you really don't think of when you got a, a pretty much a power first kind of player, but he's got seven or eight stolen bases this year. Um, and that number is upticked in the past couple of weeks. But yeah, like you said, plays with a lot of heart, loves this game, um, loves his teammates and, uh, just likes getting out there. So typically out in left field for Myrtle Beach. And and like you said, we'll see him uh, being pretty active out there. But uh, yeah, just a, just a really fun player to watch. He's got a lot of power and is now adding some more aspects to his game. Now, the one guy, obviously, that was the big international free agent signing a few, you know, a few years back, Christian Hernandez. You know, like you said, there there is an age difference between some guys that are in 
Myrtle Beach and, and some of the competition they're playing against. How's it been going so far for Christian? Has, has you seen improvement since the beginning of the season? Well, he definitely started off strong. Um, he wasn't striking out nearly as much as I think a lot of people thought he would looking at his numbers from last year um, and was just really patient. Now, at the end of April, early May, those strikeout numbers increased by a ton. Um, now, he has limited that and is getting smarter at the plate, getting more patient as well. So it's just all about adjusting. I think I've said it before, but – um, you know, coming into the season, nobody really knows a lot about anybody. And then the scouting reports come out and you know how to pitch to certain hitters, you know what approach to have. So I think Christian's just kind of going through that and figuring that out. Now, while the bat has cooled off a little bit, his glove in the field has been tremendous. I mean, making jumping catches, his arm is one of the best I've seen at shortstop. I mean, he just made this play a couple of weeks ago where he's deep out in shallow left center field and throws out a runner at first base with just an incredible arm, a great zip on it, on the throw. So uh, fielding wise, he is spectacular to watch. And now uh, just, you know, see, you know, how the, how the bat kind of comes around as the rest of the year goes on. And and one guy that I just, just because I just love his personality that I'm looking at Rafael Morel, um, Christopher's brother, how has he been doing? And has he been moving around in a lot of different positions for, for Myrtle beach so far? Yeah, he's been used a lot of different ways, uh, second base, shortstop, third base. They put him out in center field quite a bit. Um, so just finding ways to enter the lineup, but just consistent. Um, you know, he's been batting around 270, 280 for a couple of weeks now and hasn't really gone through too many struggles. Um, so he's getting on base a ton, playing great in the field so far. Um, and then, like you said, his personality, he's always smiling, just like his brother is up in the major league level. So there's a lot of similarities between the two. Um, and Rafael has just been a really fun player to watch. Now you got to see the Cubs two top draft picks from last year. Uh, Cade Horton, he was there for a little while and then moved up. What did you notice when you saw Cade Horton and, and, and how, and how surprised were you with how quickly he moved up? Well, I noticed on his first start that he was throwing, you know, throwing 98 miles per hour. So (laughs) when you're throwing 98 and then you also got a wipeout slider that everyone's talking about, uh, that is, uh, that's stuff to mess with. So. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I was surprised because I knew that he had the the collegiate. You know, while it wasn't a ton, he did have the collegiate experience, which usually kind of gets you that bump to that bump to high A pretty quick. Um, I think his numbers were uh, definitely worthy of a promotion while in Myrtle Beach. So um, while I was, of course, sad to see him go, uh, I definitely, uh, you know, I, I understood the promotion and, um, you know, hope hope he does pretty well in South Bend. But he's he was, you know, a great personality. Um and then just really fun to watch on the mound. I, I really cannot wait to watch him at that major league level in Chicago because I fully believe that he'll get there in, in the next couple of years. Um, but yeah, in the uh, gosh, one or two starts we had on Pelicans ballpark, he was, uh, he was definitely fun. And now when you look at the other, the second pick of last year's draft, you got Jackson Ferris, who's made, uh, you know, roughly pitched about the same amount of innings as Kay did and their numbers look really darn similar so far. Uh, what, what have you seen so far from Jackson Ferris? Well, I wish I could see more. Um, you know, it's tough because at this level, you got, you know, the inning and the pitch limits and Jackson's only been able to go about, uh, he's been three innings. That's been his longest. Um, so he's got an ERA of like 0. 0.60. Um, so you can't do much better. His first start when he came out against Columbia struck out seven of the first 10 batters he's faced. Uh, you know, that was, that was definitely fun to watch for your, uh, you know, Cubs organization debut, but um, yeah, just kind of figuring things out. He's had a couple of just different starts where he hasn't really matched that same stuff that he had in Columbia with those seven strikeouts, but he's still getting outs and he's not getting in trouble. Um, he's locating the ball. Well, the fastball is zipping in about 95, 96. 
Um, and then has some great off-speed stuff too. I've heard a lot about his slider, which looks pretty good so far. Um, so he's just navigating his way through those three innings that he's in for and just kind of nailing down a routine as well. I think, I think that's so big, especially as a 19-year-old kid coming out of high school, paid a lot of money after signing with the Cubs, you know, kind of figuring out how to deal with those expectations and then set a routine for yourself. And that's something that Jackson's doing here at Myrtle Beach. And who would you say so far, you know, other than Caden Jackson, obviously those are guys that people are watching, but who are some pitchers that have and starters that have really kind of been able to carry the load and really kind of steady this rotation down? Well, I think about three, um, and they are all college guys. So Grant Kipp being the first one, he's usually the Tuesday starter, and he has just had a fantastic couple of outings. Um, his last three or four, he, he's been on it, and he went six innings on Tuesday. He was the first Pelican starter to go six innings um, and just was able to figure everything out and uh, I think gave up one earned run to Salem. But uh, he's been a guy that was he was an undrafted free agent last year, not a lot of expectation, and now he's kind of tar- starting to turn a little bit of – Turned some heads in his last few starts. Him, uh, Nick Hull, who came out of Grand Canyon, he was a draft pick last year, typically starting on Friday or Saturday for the Pelicans. He's been solid, um, added a lot of velocity to his fastball, also has some good secondary stuff as well. And then Brody McCullough, who's the uh, Sunday starter, he was a D2 guy, drafted out of Wingate, um, but just has an incredible fastball, 94-95, but it's been unhittable. Um, And he's a guy that, you know, when he pitches, I kind of like to describe him as just knowing how to pitch. He knows how to sequence his pitches and get through his outings. So typically seeing about five innings from McCullough, he's actually pitching tonight. So looking forward to that. But he struck out eight batters in his last three outings. So just unhittable. And he's been uh, he's been electric so far for Myrtle Beach. And who would you say is the guy that throws with the most heat, especially coming out of the pen? Who's the guy that's really lighting up the gun? Well, there's been a few. I think Angel Gonzalez, who we actually saw in the Saturday Saturday night game, um, when he comes out, you're expecting about 97, 98 miles per hour. Um, I'm not sure if he's touched 99, but he gets up there in those upper 90s. So he's the guy that kind of comes to mind. Saul Gonzalez out of the bullpen throws pretty hard. I mean, Ferris, his first start was throwing incredibly hard. Um, but yeah, you got a few flamethrowers that are that are you know touching those high velocity numbers, and now it's just kind of about commanding that and uh, you know kind of grooving that fastball so it's you know 98 and where you want it to go would you say you've seen more velocity in the last year or two than you did previously or is it about the same yeah i mean it's an interesting question it's uh you know that's kind of the philosophy all across baseball is adding that velocity to pitchers and really getting those uh those high-speed fastballs and i don't know if i i mean when kate horton came out in his pelicans ballpark debut through 98 miles miles per hour i don't think i've seen a pelican starter uh Touch 98. I think, uh, well, Daniel Palencia a couple of years ago when he was here definitely touched that. But I think it's becoming a lot more common for guys to, to touch those higher 90s numbers. Um, and, you know, it's it's just kind of been such a big thing across baseball to get that high velocity fast, high velocity fastball and then add a secondary pitch uh, to it. So I, I definitely say it's it's uh, the velocity is increasing for sure. Well, Sam, you know, I always tell people, hey, you know, you got to go down to Myrtle Beach. If you're planning a vacation, Myrtle Beach is the place to go. Well, Sam, I am proud to announce I am putting my money where my mouth is. I am heading down to beautiful Myrtle Beach to check out the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. I will be down with you. I'm talking, Sam, beer, beaches, baseball. I will be there the 14th and 15th. I'll be spending a week in Myrtle Beach but I'll be spending a couple of days at Pelicans Park. 
you may see me coming out of the pen or at least maybe throwing a first pitch, maybe singing a stretch. I don't know, but I can't tell you how excited I am to finally make my way to Myrtle Beach. Dude, it's going to be awesome. Um, you're going to love it. I think Myrtle Beach is your kind of place. Uh, like you said, I mean, beer, we got great bars. We have great baseball. We have great beaches. Um, there's just everything here to do. And there's not going to be one minute where you're bored. I mean, it's there's so many things to do in Myrtle Beach. And, yeah, excited to get you to Pelicans Ballpark to see the Cubs prospects, but also just kind of get a full Pelicans experience as well. So it's going to be fun. I, I, I said, man, that I'm, I'm going to a couple of games, and in one game I have you know pretty good seats behind the, the Pelicans dugout, but I'm like, I'm just going to literally be wandering around the ballpark because every time I watch it on TV, I'm like, I want to go over there. I want to check out the beach part over there. I think you have a, a Clark and Addison Cafe. I always see by a marquee. I'm going to be checking it out. I'm going to be running around. And so for those of you listening, you know, on, on my socials at Crawley's Cubs, I'm going to have tons of content coming out of Myrtle Beach. We're going we're gonna to definitely be talking to Sam. He's going to be showing me the haunts and different places in Myrtle Beach. It is going to be a blast, and I cannot thank you guys enough just for the opportunity to come out there and, and have a lot of fun. And this is really – I'm really super excited. I cannot believe the countdown is on. We're about less than two weeks away. Yeah, it's coming up. And, uh, I mean, definitely one thing you have to do is get a beer bat. I think that is the, uh, the number one thing on your list when you come to Pelicans Ballpark, Pelicans Beer Bat. Well, I'm taking a look. The game I'm throwing the first pitch out is going to be on uh, Thursday. It's going to be against Fredericksburg, and it is Thirsty Thursday. So I don't know if that was done on purpose or just coincidental, but I'm going to have to represent. Absolutely. I mean, you got you to gotta do what everybody else is doing. Thirsty Thursday environments are, are great. Um, it's a really lively, lively crowd at the ballpark, and I'm looking forward to, to just seeing you experience it. I can't wait. I was I was I was trying in spirit to keep up with you at the hot dog contest, but let's see what we can do with maybe with some beers. You know what I mean? Yes. I don't I don't know if I can ever eat another hot dog again. <laughs> How, what was the final tap? So for tell tell everybody what happened. It's just in case they didn't hear about this. Okay. Yeah. So we had a, every Wednesday at Pelicans Ballpark is Wiener Wednesday. Um. So it's half price hot dogs, and uh, me and actually. The uh, base, the Cubs baseball stadiums, baseball systems video intern, uh, Britton Barthold. We got into a uh, an agreement where, hey, it's Wiener Wednesday, so let's try and do the nine hot dogs and nine innings challenge. He got through it, um, so he sits in the booth next to me. He got through it, uh, nine hot dogs in about five innings, uh, which I was not going to be at that pace at all. I got through five hot dogs in five innings, and then really started to slow down about the six, and then I only got six and a quarter done, but. You may or may not see that challenge come back later on in the season. We'll see. But the first run, uh, we got through six and a quarter. So uh, it was more than I thought I would get, but I need to lay off hot dogs for a long time. All right. Well, I want, well when, once you get back training, hopefully we'll be there. And like I said, we'll see. Maybe Thirsty Thursday, we'll go a beer and inning. We'll figure it out. But Sam, like I said, looking forward to this. Thank you for jumping on. As always, love talking Pelican baseball. And I'm going to love experiencing it even more. Crawley, always a pleasure, man. Looking forward to getting you down here in Dirty Myrtle.